Judgy McJudgerton. <laughs> yeah. You know, I was trying to figure out what I should call this. I thought about doing something more formal and appropriate. Yeah, th- think about the trajectory of our recent episodes. Money. Yeah. Money Part 2. Mm-hmm. Mystery Babylon. Yeah. Money Part 3. The Sorcerers. And then we get to episode 34. Judgy McJudgerton. <laughs> <laughs> It's trying to lighten the mood a little bit. Welcome to Deutero Cannons. I'm Byron, and with me as always is Justin. Party on, Justin. Party on, Byron. Hey, we got that up front this time. That was good. And this is episode 34. We're going with Judgy McJudgerton. There it is. Because <laughs> we're talking about some judgment, folks. But before we get into all that, uh, whatever platform you're listening to this on, like, share, subscribe, comment. And then really what seems to be working because the numbers are going up. Again, I don't know what that means, but they are going up. <clears throat> it means something. Yeah. Somebody's listening or at the very least... <laughs> Their their phone is downloading in the background, and we'll take it, you know. <laughs> but I'm gonna chalk that up to people telling a friend. So go ahead, tell a friend. We'll wait. We're just gonna pause right here and just share this, text it to a friend. Go ahead. All right, that's enough time. All right, so I, j- well, what's I, I have a question. I'll be asking the questions tonight. <laughs> <laughs> All right, proceed. All right, so KG, I mean, uh, I was going to call you the KGB since you're the one who asks the questions. (laughs) The KGB works for nobody. It's true. So if people are listening, say, on Audible or Apple Podcasts, which would be most, most people probably, Mm -hmm. it's not episode 34. I think this might, is it episode 20? Well, uh, man, we might be getting close to 20 podcast episodes i guess we should yeah you know what you notice if you listen to a lot of podcasts is you hear them say the same things that they they say they have some common things that they repeat quite a bit because i think they're always keeping in mind that they have new viewership or listenership so true story we are at 34 total episodes the way deuterocanon started out and this is back when it was send the light before we found out that that was already a name is this whole thing started out as a hey we need something on wednesday night because of covid and we were just doing facebook live we weren't doing podcast. And so if you want to go listen to the actual episode one, like you'd have to get on the Allensville Church of Christ Facebook page and go all the way back to, oh man, like probably like, around this time last year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Might have been like November. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. Is there any way that we can rescue that audio from the black hole that is... Mark Zuckerberg's yeah, I can apocalyptic do that. It, it's, dream. It's just time consuming. Yeah. Yeah. But you can definitely download the video, extract the audio, convert it to MP3, and then re upload it as just an audio. That's the thing that we could do. You had me at download. <laughs> yeah. Because we know who's actually going to do it, Mr. You'll fix that in post. Who's the one with the MacBook? By the, well, I do it on this computer. Be- who's the one with the computer that's not a chromebook issued by that would be me okay uh btw did you listen to last week's episode at all i did Mm. 
Did you notice anything got left in? I did. <laughs> so much for fixing it, fixing it in post. Uh, I gotta do. I, uh, it was just too much work, <laughs> but still funny too. All right. Oh, for those of you keeping score at home, I sneezed very abruptly. No, it wasn't abruptly at all. It was. It was so, abrupt to me. I, it, I didn't expect it. It was like. Uh, uh, it was like a cartoon. Uh, uh, I, I thought about reaching over, and put my finger under your nose. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like, like, like Sylvester the Cat or something. Ah, choo! <laughs> it, it was a, it was a big one. All right, I might be over exaggerating okay. a little bit. <laughs> uh, all right, hold on, I'm gonna drink some of this tea. Uh, okay, so we're gonna talk about judgment now. <clears throat> here is some background. Um. I did a sermon on this way back when this is before Deuterocanons, before COVID, and I happen to have <clears throat> recorded it on my iPhone because I tend to, you know, I'll record sermons and listen to them later and critique myself. And so fortunately I had it on hand, but unfortunately I couldn't recall the, this information in a conversation I had with a friend recently. So a friend and I um, were, were talking about, uh, well, just talking about faith and stuff. And he was talking about some family members and, uh, Anyways, he, he, he commented on how he, it doesn't matter who, what he's talking about. His, his comment was that he couldn't judge. He, he, I remember what he said exactly, but basically that he, it was not his place to judge. Um, and so I, I pushed back on that. Um, but again, I, I couldn't remember, you know, it's like I was so far removed from the information that I couldn't remember all the points that I had, uh, made in the sermon. And so it was still a productive conversation. And I think I got him to come around to understand like, to an extent, judgment is unavoidable, and like that we're talking about a very specific thing when we look at key passages in the Bible. So, anywho, so I want to start by looking at some key scripture that is often cited when it comes to this topic, and then uh, we'll go from there. So, why don't you do Matthew seven one? Matthew seven one. I'm going to do Romans two one. Oh, come on, Byron. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Okay. I actually read through verse two, and there's kind of there's more there. Do you want me to keep going? or No, just stop there. We're, there. we're going to get okay. back to that. Sure. Because I, I, I'm isolating that because I think when people cite it, they isolate it. You want to go ahead and turn to uh, Luke six thirty seven, and while Luke you six thirty seven, okay. while you do that, I'm gonna read Romans two one. It says you therefore have no excuse, you who pass judgment on someone else, for whatever at, at whatever point you judge another, you are condemning yourself, because you who pass judgment do the same things. Do not judge. This is uh, Luke six thirty seven. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Okay, so we can go back to the Matthew one. That's sure. where we're, we're going to kind of live tonight. <clears throat> um, but, you know, so you read those passages, and, you know, I, I joked when I did that sermon. It's like, okay, that seems pretty straightforward. Don't judge. Like, let's stand and sing, right? So I guess I could be corny and do that again. Like, oh, it seems pretty straightforward. Why don't you go ahead and close this in prayer? But I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to say that. You sort of did. Yeah, right? Um, But so now we that we've done that let's we've isolated those verses go ahead and read seven one through six okay do not judge or you too will be judged for in the same way you judge others you will be judged and with the measure you use it will be measured to you 
Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye and then you will be able to see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Through through what verse? Six. <clears throat> Six. Yep. Oh, I remember that from your sermon. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> do not give the dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and then turn and tear you to pieces. All right. So uh, I read somewhere that this is this idea of uh, do not judge or you too will be judged. Just that one verse alone is the most misquoted verse in the Bible. Again, I, I, I even, found, even more so than Jesus helps those who help themselves. That's not in the Bible. Oh, yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> um, although, like, this is another one. Uh, she, I, I knew it wasn't in the Bible. Right, I know Just you did. Setting you up. Um, so, so it's one of the most misquoted uh, books in the Bible. In fact, you know, like, I, so there's politicians who've said it. There's celebrities who have said it. And there's even one song, uh, a pretty popular song, I guess, in particular that I can think of. In fact. This is going to be our first question. Justin. Byron. How do you feel about the band Good Charlotte? Oh, man. <laughs> is it? It's okay. It's a safe place. You okay. Can, you can tell All right. us. All right. I'll say exactly what I think about Good Charlotte. If you look at the, the late 90s, early 2000s pop punk scene, and you wanted to um, condense or like boil down everything that, that was wrong with it, Mm-hmm. Like what would what would what would be left over in in that in that pot after everything else had evaporated would be like this like burned residue called Good Charlotte. Ooh, okay. Everything that is is wrong with that genre happens penultimately in that band. How, why do you feel that way? Because their songs are bad. They had a music video where these supposed punk rockers were dressed like non-punk rockers like kind of um maybe thuggish Mm -hmm. a little bit and they were they were riding low rider bicycles and also their songs weren't good (laughs) okay well i mean everything i have i have a confession you like good charlotte i don't say that i like good charlotte i understand the critique but i did i did used to listen to them i listened to them enough which by that i mean like two songs to know that i never wanted to listen to them again all right cool so good charlotte has a song called the young and the hopeless i'm gonna read you these lyrics maybe i'll sing them okay either way okay i'll just read them uh hard days made me hard nights shape me i don't know they somehow save me and i know i'm making something out of this life they call nothing i take what i want take what i need they say it's wrong but it's right for me i won't look down won't say i'm sorry I know that only God can judge me. So that's the song that I think of when I think about this idea of not being able to judge someone. Rightfully so. Right. And so I think that is a misuse, and I think that's kind of what I want to get to here tonight. Honestly, I just want to judge them on a poetic level. (laughs) Uh, Send it. Go ahead. Okay. Who's they? It's vague. Right. It's the proverbial they. Oh, they. Yeah. Oh. Yep. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 bad. It's bad poetry. I'm picking up on your disdain. Yeah. Okay, so question. 
Is God the only one who can judge you? Depends on what you mean by judge. Oh, okay. It might depend on what you mean by God also. Not that you and I have any disagreement about that. Yeah. But, but if we were to uh, if we were to talk with Mr. Charlotte, or is it Mr. Good? <laughs> I think one of them, their name's like Benji or something. Okay, if we were to talk to Benji Charlotte or whatever. Mm-hmm. When 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 that person says God, like like the disconnect might go you know all the way down to that. Yeah. Like different conceptions of God lead to different understandings of what God does and doesn't do. I think these guys actually they they attest to be Christians, if I'm not mistaken, or at least maybe spiritual people. I mean, who knows at this point? You know. Yeah, those are two very different. Right. Things I, I was listening to a C.S. Lewis book today called Paralandra, where that very distinction uh, comes up, like the the difference between uh, a faithful Christian and, and someone who is um, simply <clears throat> spiritual. So anybody out there looking for something good to read, C.S. Lewis's Ransom Trilogy, uh, the second book of which is called Paralandra. But anyway, I, I I do hope that they're that they're believers and that. In the fifteen or twenty years since that song came out, that they've—I uh, don't know—they've grown up, and that they're better writers, and that more importantly, they've come to a better understanding of who who God well, is. Let's say, for the sake of argument, then they are Bible-believing Christians, and this okay. is what they think: God, only God can judge me. Okay. As we understand judgment, I mean. I guess I understand your point because this is this is part of what I think we're getting at here is what what do we mean by judgment? Yeah, or what is being referred to here in this passage? Yeah, like everything hinges on the definition, right? Because you know, definition A that a person could come up with, mm-hmm. well, it could be that somebody other than God does judge you, but if you have if you're operating with definition B, well, maybe not. Mm-hmm. So, and I think that that's probably where we're going with these scriptures is to try to figure out what exactly is meant by this word right. judge. Well, then what is it that got, that Jesus and then Paul, because we read three separate verses, what is it they, that they're taking issue with here? Hypocrisy. Right. I mean, I think that's, it, it's funny, I don't know, you, you were gone Sunday. Uh, yeah, and I know, I miss, I miss your sermon. Can you Can you send it to me? I can. Okay. I did listen to the one that you sent that this is based on. Right. But this, so this will be the second time this week I talked about hypocrisy because basically, you know, I, I told you before, well, we, we, we teased this last week. I started off, well, what I ended up doing Sunday is I ended up, t- I started talking off by talking about first John, the idea of loving, not just in word, but in action. Yeah. But as I started doing the study, it's like, oh, I've talked about this before. This is having consistency in word and deed. Mm-hmm. And so what I ended up doing is tapping into the talk we had on here about leadership, which okay. really, which really was leading by example, right? Yeah. And so, being able to exercise your influence by practicing what you preach, right? Which we'll we'll probably be visiting some of those same passages tonight, anyways, because I don't know, maybe maybe we've maybe we've reached the, the boundaries of of my ability to think of stuff. Now I'm going back to the to, to the same old, same old, or maybe there's just some themes that keep coming up. I'm thinking, I'm thinking hypocrisy is one of them. I mean, it is one of the basic things. It's one of those things that, I mean, it does come up over and over again. It's just this universal tendency, Mm -hmm. something that everybody has to fight against. Yeah. So, I mean, I think what people seem to equate judgment to, um, or, or at least 
kind of like reading lyrics like this or the way people tend to use that passage when they say only God can judge me. I think what we're, we're confusing there is the idea of judgment versus condemnation. Sure. Right. Um, so we're talking about the difference between somebody saying what you're doing is not in accordance with what I, with what I see in scripture, or maybe just in my opinion, that's not a good idea. Right. Maybe even just like everyday life as compared to consigning somebody to the flames based on the way they're living their life. Mm -hmm. Right. So if you're saying that only God can consign you to the flames, like, yeah, I guess that's technically correct. Yeah, it is. Uh, I mean, that's absolutely technically correct. However, comma, we know that Jesus, what, what, Je what did Jesus say about condemning? Which thing? This one or, or, or a different one? Well, what's John three sixteen through 18? Oh, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Right. That's through 17, but you also said 18. Okay, that's good enough. I can't rattle off 18. Sorry, that's all right. Okay. That's what I was looking for, though. Thank you for not judging me for not knowing <laughs> verse 18 of that passage. But, I mean, that's the thing, right? Like, even Jesus said, I didn't come here to condemn you, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe that's a little bit like the, the way that, that I view student grades. Mm -hmm. th th there were some kids who were kind of sweating it out at the end of this last grading period. And, you know, we, we kind of had a big assignment at the end. Like, I, I don't really do, te like, multiple choice tests and mm -hmm. things like that so much. Right. It's mostly, like, we read stuff and then we, we write about it. Yeah. And that's that's what most of the grades are, you know, paragraphs or multi-paragraph things or, you know, essays, stuff like that. And so a couple of kids were sweating this out and they, they ended up doing OK. Like they got either A's or B's mm -hmm. on, on these these last couple of assignments. OK. And the next time I saw them, that they had seen their grades and they're like, oh, Mr. Adams, I saw my grade. Thanks. I'm like, I didn't I don't give you grades. Yeah. Like you did it. You're, you're like you're the one who who gives yourself the grade. These are the wages of your performance, right? Yeah, right. Like this is exactly like, I mean, sure. I, like I'm judging their their work, but they're but they're the ones who who really do it. And and I I don't want to go too far with that. Like like kind of a a works based salvation. Obviously, mm -hmm. that's wrong. But, you know, Jesus did say the difference between the sheep and the goats in that, in that sheep and goats parable mm -hmm. is what they did and didn't do. Right. You know, the sheep clothed him, visited him, fed him, all of that. Kind of unaware. They're just, you know, kind of going about their lives. And they do those right things because, like, that's, like, they didn't see it as this monumental thing. It's just, like, the simple things that they did because it was right and good. Yeah. And then the the goats didn't. Mm -hmm. um, so again, like not not salvation by works, um, but I wonder if when Jesus like God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, it it's it seems kind of connected to my mentality as a as a teacher. Mm -hmm. You know, it's yeah. like like I, I didn't come into the into the classroom today to give you an F. Yeah, like that's not no. That's yeah. that's not that's not the point. So what what you're talking about almost sounds like something we experienced in the military. So you'll have like when you go to various schools or do uh, like there's different testing you can do to to earn badges and things like that. And so oh, it's like Boy Scouts, right? And so 
<laughs> exactly like Boy Scouts. Man, you're like an Eagle Scout. So, but the thing is, is we'll, we'll have what we call badge protectors. So you get those guys where, um, like sounds like a grade grubber. There's a standard. Is that a thing in your world? Gr- grade grubbing. You're making that up. No. Grade grubbing. Grade grubbing. Okay. Well, a badge protector is somebody like they've earned this badge previously. Now they're serving as a grader for this event. And like, there's a. Sta- oh, sorry. It's different. My, my bad. Go ahead. There's the standard. There's like, like we have a standard, and like, but this is the guy that's. It's almost like, he he takes it a step further. Like, oh, okay. like, oh, you're going to earn this, you know, like, yeah. takes pride in how many people he fails. Oh, know? okay. Right. Okay. Is that a grade grubber? No, no. A, a grade grubber would be a kid who's looking to get all the extra credit possible. So, you know, like, like the kid who's only focused on the grade and right. doesn't really care about the quality of the work, like just wants the grade. Yeah. So, yeah, right. But that—that's what you're talking about—is is something different. Mm-hmm. You're talking about like like an instructor, essentially, or like somebody who has some sort of uh, supervisory role, or yeah, like uh, he somebody who who actually is assessing. Right. So, I guess to to kind of maybe go along with the point you I think you were trying to make, right, or that you made. So this is somebody who's, again, maybe being more condemnatory as opposed to, I'm here to evaluate performance. I'm not giving you any freebies, but I also, like, I do want to see you succeed, you know? Yeah. So, I don't know. Maybe that's more. I think Jesus does want want to see us succeed. Right. I mean, I think it's really hard to read the scriptures and come away with any idea other than, like, God really does want us to to succeed. You go all the way back to Genesis. I know. Yeah. I'm going back to Genesis, mm. but remember what God said to Cain. Mm-hmm. Like, if you do well, won't you be approved? Yeah. Yes. And yeah, the the answer is, the answer is yes. Yeah. But he decided to be angry. Yeah. Like he chose that. Mm-hmm. Like God didn't want him to kill Abel. Yeah. Like that wasn't like predestined from the foundation of the world that Cain would kill Abel. You know, to prove God's glory and being able to preordained murder right like you know some might believe so i mean at the end of the day i mean you look at this one here you hypocrite first take the plank out of your own eye when you read the the notes and the text down here like the christian is not to judge hypocritically or self-righteously as can be seen from the context the same thought is expressed elsewhere okay so there's that when i go back to romans 2 where i was reading um, uh, I should have just kept my finger in it. Well, and with what you just read, like people with major stuff going on shouldn't be nitpicky mm-hmm. about other people. In this section, Paul sets forth principles that govern God's judgment. God judges according to truth, according to deeds, and according to the light a person has. These principles lay the groundwork for Paul's discussion of the guilt of the Jews. No excuse. Paul's teaching about judging agrees with that of Jesus. Who did? Oh, and it references Matthew seven one. Who mm-hmm. did not condemn judging as such, but hypocritical judging. So, I guess back to our, our comment on definitions. There's there is certainly room for judgment, but being judgmental, let's say, so coming from this uppity position where uh, maybe you uh, you're giving off this air of you do no wrong, and you're just there to point out other people's faults. When the reality mm-hmm. is you're just as sinful as everybody else, or being condemnatory, I guess so. Ultimately, consigning somebody to the flames. Those are those are both wrong, but that doesn't mean there's no place for judgment. And and I guess what will 
ultimately get to is there's really no avoiding it. Yeah. So, um, and so at the end of the day, again, here we are talking about hypocrisy again. Uh, like our speech, our, our speech and our actions should be consistent with one another as much as possible. You know, I mean, to like kind of the Jordan Petersonism, right? Like, uh, always tell the truth or at least don't lie. Right. Yeah. Um, another thing that he says is don't lie because it's never going to make anything better. Yeah. Like when you lie, it will make everything worse. Well, I mean, that's so smart too. Cause it's, it's lies are good for short term peace. Right. It's like fentanyl. Right. <laughs> Go on. Well, well, last time we were together, you were talking about like, I have to issue a correction also. Yes. Oh yeah. So fentanyl is a short duration narcotic. At least that's my understanding of it. I said 600 to 800 milligrams. That would kill you. It's micrograms. I, I thought that that sounded high micrograms since like, you know, you can touch somebody who, or you can just like touch the stuff and it kill you. Right. So it's so potent that that small amounts can kill you. Well, I mean, it's like I've said before, right? Everything's poisonous. It's just a matter of dose. So yeah, 600, 800 micrograms, micrograms. And that's how many micrograms in a milligram, let's say, I don't know. Is it a hundred or a thousand? I don't know. You know what? Who was the first one to the moon? The United States of America. Yeah. And we used feet and inches to get there. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. Uh, I don't know. You're Uh, right though. I am right. I didn't. Nothing judgmental there. I didn't make that up though. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> All right, so um, that being said, let's turn over to Matthew 23 real quick. This should sound familiar. Um, and I, actually, again, I, I just read all this Sunday. Uh, did you just read? Yeah, you did. It's my turn. I did. Okay. So I'm just going to read 23, probably through 13. So then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. So you must be careful to do everything they tell you. But do not do what they do, for they do not practice what they preach. They tie up heavy, cumbersome loads and put them on other people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. Everything they do is done for people to see. They make their phylacteries wide and the tassels on their garments long. They love the place of honor at banquets and the most important seats in the synagogues. They love to be greeted with respect in the marketplace and to be called rabbi by others. But you are not to be called rabbi, for you have one teacher, and you are all brothers. And do not call anyone on earth father, for you have one father, and he is in heaven. Nor are you to be called instructor, for you have one instructor, the Messiah. The greatest among you will be your servant, for those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Woe to you, teachers of the law, you Pharisees, you hypocrites. And so here we find ourselves once again talking about fair uh pharisees and, and hypocrisy and i think again what what is at the the heart of the issue is is the hypocrisy because a man like if there was a demographic that could be pretty judgmental i think that's uh that's who we're talking about and so i think that's some of the context that we would have to understand at least with the with with what jesus is saying um when it comes to him telling people not to be judgmental when you look at the Romans passage, there's also some context in the previous verses that you have to look at as well. Hmm. You know, this might be off topic. So if it's off topic, feel free to shut it down. Well, and I don't think it's off topic. It's, but it might be too, too too tangential, tangential, man. That's a hard word sometimes. Mm -hmm. Don't judge me. Sorry. (laughs) Um, 
man. So wh- wh- where where was my tangent going? Oh, <clears throat> so obviously there was a problem with the Pharisees by and large. Yeah, clearly Jesus identifies here that a huge part of the problem is their hypocrisy. Mm-hmm. Like the rest of verse thirteen goes on to say. You shut the kingdom of heaven in men's faces. Yeah. You yourselves do not enter, nor will they let those enter who are trying to. Mm-hmm. So it it just makes me think about like like what they're like what they were trying to do. Well, and that sounds condemnatory, mm-hmm. like we were just discussing. You know. Yeah. It's like like okay, so what are they what are they trying to do? And as you were reading that, and and I was thinking. Uh, something from Paul came to mind where he talks about the letter kills, but the spirit gives life, mm. which, you know, kind of goes along with the whole, you know, follow the spirit of the law, not just the letter of the law. That's exactly what I was thinking about when you said that. Yeah. The letter kills, but the spirit gives life. And that's in, I don't know, Colossians, maybe hmm. I think it's in Colossians. The letter kills, but the spirit gives life. And so Jesus here is, is talking about really what the goal is, yeah. like what the goal of the, the law was. Yeah. And what his goal was, was so that people could enter the kingdom of heaven. Yeah. Present tense and future tense. Mm-hmm. And it, it turns out that if, I guess if you if you try to apply the law, like the actual law of Moses, yeah. or, or let's say even uh, like if, if you take away kind of the ceremonial stuff and you just get down to say the Ten Commandments, if you try to apply those without a sense of what they're supposed to accomplish. Yeah. It's it's going to mess things up. And it's another example of if you put first thing second you get neither. Yeah. Well, I mean and again to the badge protecting analogy like it's it's like they're heaven protecting, hmm. you know. And I mean at the end of the day like the standard is self protecting. We don't we don't Yeah, I'm kind of it's kind of stream of consciousness right now. Because, I mean, it, it, it really does remind me of this idea of where, again, we we have, you know, in the military, we have a standard, and then you have these, you'll have folks that kind of, like, add things. Well, I like to see it this way. It's like, hey, man, like, we want people to su- succeed here, you know? Like, this isn't, mm-hmm. there, there has to be, there has to be one standard. We don't need you to pr- protect this thing, you know? Right, and on the other hand, there are those who try to get rid of standards. Yeah. And I, I, so that also brings to mind the image of the narrow way, mm-hmm. because like you know, so so the narrow, so let's say that the the narrow way is this is this wide, yeah, <clears throat> symbolically speaking. And for those of you at home, I have my my hands about six inches apart. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna make them a little bit wider because nobody can can walk like a in six inches. Like challenge accepted. I mean a balance beam, okay. but I don't I don't think that that's the image either. All right. Okay, so let's say, okay, now I've got my hands, I don't know, thirty six inches apart. Okay. Roughly. Yep. So if this is the way, it's bad to make the way more narrow than that. Mm-hmm. It's also bad to make the way more broad than that. Right. Like the way is the way. Yeah. Well, and that's that's something I've said before. Like I, I think I've said it to you. Where it's like Jesus is here for everyone, but he's not for everyone. And by that, what I mean is we don't need to, sometimes it's like we work too hard to make, to make him relevant or get butts in the pews. And, and, and it's kind of just one of those things where I don't want to, I don't want to make it more exclusive than it has to be, but we also don't need to compromise just to make it palatable to people. Hmm. Like it is what it is. You yeah. Know? 
Yeah, that, that's, that's a really good point. And I guess that gets back to the whole judgment thing and, and what that word means. Um, and I, like, I've got a comment about that, but I feel like I probably let you need to let, let you stick to your notes and see if we, we come back, yeah. come back to this. Cause I, I feel like you probably are, are going to kind of, uh, steer things around to, to where, yeah, where my mind has been it'll going. It'll probably develop back into what, what you want to talk about. So, so this, this idea of judge not, or yeah, judge not lest you be judged or only God can judge me. I think it sometimes gets partnered up with a couple other passages. If you want to turn to Romans 3, 21 through 23. Yeah. And I'm going to be in John 8, 1 through 11. Romans 3, what? 21 through 23. 21 through. And of course, like, only God can judge me. That's actually right. Mm-hmm. That's true. But if you, if, if the person saying that really thought about it, like, it would make a difference. Yeah. And it's like, well, yeah, God really is your judge. Yeah. So. You might want to might want to think about what that entails. So while you're flipping, I'm going to read this real quick. Sure. <clears throat> so John eight, what did I say? One through eleven. Then they all went home, but Jesus went out to the mile. That's not what I want. Sorry. Okay, I'll I'll read mine. Yep. Uh, Romans three twenty one through twenty three. But now a righteousness from God apart from the law has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. That's kind of like the mm-hmm. you know letter kills with the spirit gives life. Mm-hmm. Like that's it's another way of saying it. Yeah. But now a righteousness from God apart from the law has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. So that, and then, uh, I'm just going to read through this quick. At dawn he appeared again to the temple courts where all the people gathered around him, and he sat down to teach them. The teacher of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand up before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. I'm going to kind of skip ahead because I think we all know the story. So uh, at last it says, Let any one of you who is without sin uh, be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, the stooped down and rode on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left, with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, "Where, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. So, I mean, we didn't read the whole thing, but I wanted to read those in context, but I think what, what I've noticed has happened too is people will say, only God can judge me, and I mean, and because because all have sinned and fall mm-hmm. short of the glory of God. Yeah, and you know, you who without sin cast the first stone. Like yeah. it tends to paint you into a corner where there's no room for like our hands are tied as, as pertains to judgment. Uh, I guess the implication is that you can't judge because you sin too. Um, and so, I, well, I don't know. What do you think of that, Justin? Well, I, I think I think you're right. I think that people who who play the only God can judge me card are. I mean, on the one hand, it's possible for for that itself to be a judgmental statement. Mm-hmm. You know, so if if you're like, man, Justin, it was a really bad idea that that you you lied to me uh, about what the topic was going to be this week. Mm-hmm. Like you, you you knew full well that 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 wasn't what you were going to do, mm-hmm. or you know, something like that. Um, and if I say, you can't judge me, mm-hmm. only God can judge me. 
re- really what I'm expressing is that you have done something <clears throat> wrong. Yeah. Because I, I'm saying that your judgment of me is wrong, mm-hmm. which itself is a, is a judgmental statement. Yeah. If I were really to hold to the, uh, to the theory that only God can judge me, I, w- I would then have to, in order to be consistent, extend that to you mm-hmm. and recognize that only God can judge you. So how can I even call out your judgment of me? Right, and so that, I guess that's my point. Is it's it's as though it's as mm-hmm. though that no no action or undesirable behavior can be pointed out because you are also guilty of other undesirable behaviors. As if there's equality in these, and and, and the only way that you could have any place to point out fault or you know injustices or whatever is if you are perfect, right. Which is impossible, right? Right. Like, there's only one person who is perfect, right? Which ultimately is the person they're saying is the only one that can judge them. I just, but, but it's like, certainly we understand that the world can't function. Like, if that's, although, I mean, I guess maybe that's the whole my truth versus your truth thing, right? Yeah, it's completely unlivable. And I'd say that's the point. Like, it can only lead to contradiction, cognitive dissonance, conflict, mm-hmm. and. There is a force in the world who loves those things. Yeah. Just isn't Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so what I think is interesting too is this last part here says then then neither do I condemn you, mm-hmm. right? So we've already heard him say that before. I didn't come to condemn, right? Right. Go now and leave your life of sin. Exactly. That's that that that's everything right there. And so often, you know, again, it, like things are pulled out of context. Mm-hmm. Jesus didn't just say I don't condemn you," he said. "Well, yeah, I don't condemn you." Which, in the context, what what, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. Like, if he condemned her, what would he be doing? Judging, literally. Yeah. Like, what would he be? Like the final judging. He'd stone her. Well, right. You know. Yeah. Like that. That. That's what that means. Like, okay. Like, okay. I. I Jesus could say, "I am without sin," but he's not going to pick up rocks and kill her mm-hmm. with them. Yeah. Like, that's what it means that he doesn't condemn her. He he doesn't mean that, like, she has eternal life. Well, I guess the thing about this, too, is, which, by the way, people, it doesn't escape me that Jesus is the only one that can judge you, according to you, if you say this, right? And he's the one saying that I don't condemn you. Um, And also, Jesus is the only one in this situation who might actually knows if she sinned or not. Like, that's, I think, the thing that people take issue with sometimes here is, this woman was caught caught in adultery, and, and yet the man's nowhere to be found, and all that stuff, right? right. I mean, I would say she she is guilty, mm-hmm. but it's only part of the equation. Yeah, and so it's clearly a setup. Like she was set up, I think. Mm-hmm. Jesus was set up, but it, at like the end of the story is go and sin no more. But, but I guess my point is right. There's a difference between condem- condemnation and we'll say a commentary on one's behavior, which I'm going to say is judgment. Mm-hmm. Maybe, right. So that 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 goes right back to what what's the definition? Yeah. And like I, I also looked looked up that that passage. Well, our, our first passage, Matthew seven. I looked that up in Greek to to try to get some insight into the word judge and and judgment mm-hmm. and all that. And it 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 really is a, a good a good translation. Like that that's that really is the best word for it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's to to indicate preference based on some particular standard huh yeah so indicate preference yeah yeah that's good yeah like 
this is good, that's not good. Yeah. So I, I think here here's the way that it might be helpful for us to think about it. We are not judgmental if if we simply like speak the truth in love mm-hmm. and point out that some particular action, event, word, whatever um is is sinful mm-hmm. like if god has already said that it's sinful yeah it's not judgment it's not it's not judgmental for us yeah to simply agree with that or to to say what god has already said well and so that's that's a really good way of putting it because this is the point i was trying to make to my buddy when we were talking about this um because if and, and maybe I'll, I'll augment it with this you can be a sinner and still speak truth. Sure. Right? Yeah. And I would say uh, truth is a judge because by, by by claiming something to be true, you know, you're judging something else as false. Yeah. Which, man, I, I, I don't want to jump ahead because I'd like to make these points later, but <laughs> <laughs> whatever. So, this th- again, this is not my own thoughts. This is something I found in my research, but it was such a good point. When you When we talk about you can't judge me, we always we send it we we tend to think of that in, in a negative connotation right like but but understand if if you are behave when we judge let me put it this way uh you ever watch gymnastics i do which participants are judged all of them so the losers are judged yes also the winners also the winners the winners are also judged the winners are judged right and so a lot of this i mean you read the lyrics to this song right like it what did it say there I take what I want, take what I need, say it's wrong, but it's right for me. I won't look down, won't say I'm sorry. I know that only can God can judge me. Like it's, there's an element of this where it's like, you can't judge me. It's like this unapologetic uh, attitude. But really what they're saying is, actually, I want you to judge me and I want you to judge my behavior as righteous. Hmm. So they're, what, what they're actually, yeah. what, what somebody says that, they're not saying you can't judge me. What their issue is is that you disapprove of their behavior, and they want you to judge their behavior as good. Yeah. So I don't know. They somehow saved me, and I and I know I'm make. Uh, no, I'll skip down. Second paragraph. Second. Yeah. Second paragraph thing. I take what I want. Take what I need. They say it's wrong, but it's right for me. Mm-hmm. I mean, wow. That's. There, there, there's thousands of years of ethical theory just, you know, sort of summarized and, you know, thrown out the window as being completely right. unuseful. Yeah. Like, it's right for me. Some, chrono- <clears throat> some chronological snobbery. Sure. I mean, all, all sorts of things. I mean, like, that's, it, it's also so shallow, it, it barely even mm-hmm. bears any any mention. But clearly, if if it happens to be true that... I get to do what I want to because I say so because I feel like it. Yeah. Then, well, you you can do that too. It turns out. Right. And so I'm if I'm all upset that you're judging me. Yeah. Well, you could just as easily kill me. Mm-hmm. And if that's what you wanted to do. Yeah. How, how can I? How can I say anything about it? Yeah. I mean, really, like what that idea ends in is like arguing, fighting, and murder. Yeah. Well, and I mean, you look at what's happening in the culture nowadays where, you know, Ron Burgundy, agree to disagree, right? Like we used to be able to agree to disagree and now it's, it's not enough to just 
agree to disagree. It's like, no, actually, uh, not only is violence violence, speech is violence, and silence is also violence. But also some violence isn't violence. Cause, right. Because you need to pick a side, right? Like it, like it's you know, it's not enough to be not racist. You need to be anti-racist, right? Like it's all this stuff where we can't. I can't simply just disapprove of your lifestyle and and you do your thing, I do mine. It's like, no. You need you need to affirm what I'm doing, but in order to affirm what you're doing, I would have to judge you, right? Yeah. The the new righteousness basically declares that a person is righteous to the extent that that person celebrates everyone and everything that the societal influencers have declared to be righteous. And, and they not only refuse to celebrate, but they actively attack verbally or otherwise Mm -hmm. whoever happens to be the societally declared unrighteous. So, so here's the other thing, and again, help me, help me make this point because <laughs> I, okay. again, I'm trying to put this thought together to where, because I couldn't seem to get get my buddy to understand this. I was saying that there also tends to be this this idea of like all sins are equal, right? Oh, so, yeah. so, so if 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 it's uh, only God can judge me, judge not lest ye be judged. Cast the first stone. Mm-hmm. All have sinned. It makes it seem like the only person who can sin is somebody who doesn't sin at all, right? Mm-hmm. Which again, that's it's just not possible, right? Because it's not, it's not, it's impossible for us to not sin, but also that it just doesn't make any sense. Like because I'm a liar, because I've because I told a lie one time, I can't condemn murder. I, well, I don't say murder. Sorry, condemn. I can't judge murder as being sinful. That makes no sense, right? And so, in this conversation, he he was suggesting that that sins are equal. Because everybody's sinned. It's like, okay, yes, uh, having any sin separates you from God, right? right? And without Christ, you know, equals eternal damnation. But sins, all sins are not equal. Like, I don't think in God's eyes and human eyes, all sins, all sins are not equal. The, the, the existence of any sin in your life is a problem, but not all sins are equal. Mm-hmm. Agree? Right. I mean, clearly there's some that are more severe than others. I mean, think about David. Mm-hmm. David committed adultery mm-hmm. and was complicit in murder. Right. I mean, he, he was the one who, I mean, who thought up the idea of having Uriah killed. Yeah. So he, he did those things. And then when he was confronted with his sin, he repented. Yeah. Like heavy duty repentance. Yeah. Came, came from David. Yeah. And that situation is a whole lot different than if he would have either repented and then did it more or ignored the words of the prophet Nathan and yelled at him for judging him. Right, right, exactly. Yeah. So, so clear, I mean, yes, that, that was terrible. He, he was an adulterer and a murderer, mm-hmm. both of those things. And yet he was forgiven of bo- both of those things. And we know the situation would have been worse for him then and in the future and potentially eternally yeah if he would have ignored all that right you know and kept on murdering and kept on uh committing adultery well so going back to matthew 7 i feel like the answer to this question is in this parable here okay Okay. so again help me i 
what I don't want to do is to read into, I don't want to uh, isogete what okay. I want this to say into this, right? But but here's what occurred to me after talking with my buddy about this. If all sins are equal, then why did we? Why is the plank and the speck not the same size? Hmm. Like why isn't it two planks or two specks? I, I think that's a good point, right? Yeah. Like isn't doesn't that suggest that? Like it's it's the I mean it's the hypocrisy thing, right? Like you're gonna correct my, you know, small vice. Let's say when you have this huge issue in your right. life that everybody sees. Right. And and that's also not to excuse in any way the person with a speck in his or her eye. Right. Like that's that's not that's not condoned. It's not and it, there there's nothing positive there. Mm-hmm. So it it's just that obviously this is spoken to the person who has this glaring issue that obscures vision. Mm-hmm. Which you know that it's it's easy to to unpack that. Yeah. I mean there's there's if I if I have actually if I even have just like something very small in my eye, yeah, like I'm you know I'm squinting, my eyes are watering, like I probably can't make it from here to the bathroom, yeah, without tripping over something. So how in the world can I help you with the same issue? Yeah, like even if they were equal, right? And yet here, you know, Jesus, it, you know, it's it's a bit of hyperbole, but the point is well taken. Um, I mean, so if if we know that two people with specks in their eyes are totally useless to each other. How much more so is it than when person A turns out to have a, you know, a stick or a plank? Actually, the word for plank there is like a, like a floor joist. Yeah. I mean, it's more like a log. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, it's not just like a two by four. It's like a six by six. Mm -hmm. And that's pretty hefty. Yeah. So I, I guess I feel like the difference in size in this example speaks to the, the, the idea that there's inequality in sin. You know, and I've said this before, like, I mean, we know that, that when it comes to God's commands, there are greater commands. Mm-hmm. There's the greatest commands, right? So I guess I would assume if there are greater commands and you fail to obey those commands, those are greater sins, yeah, so one thing that Jesus said to the Pharisees was, uh, woe to you, teachers of the law, Pharisees, you hypocrites, you tithe your mint and dill and cumin, but you, uh, shoot, what is it, like the weightier things of the law, mm-hmm. you ignore, oh, okay. and you should have done the one without ignoring the other. Right. So so they they, they were... They were doing this good thing. I mean, mm-hmm. but but tithing herbs. Yeah, it's like okay, I guess that that's good. But then there were other things that they weren't doing, like taking care of their their elderly parents. Yeah. So yeah, do do the. You're, you're right. So if all sins were equal, um, it would be exactly the same to not tithe out of your herbs mm-hmm. as it would be to not take care of right your your parents. Like okay. th- th- they they would be. Ignoring both would be equal. Yeah. Um, but Jesus says, well, do both. Yeah. Well, and so so, so that's the first thing that sticks out to me when reading through this, I guess when it, as it pertains to that argument. But then the other thing is this is, you know, it says here, uh, sorry, how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the, the time there's a plank in your own eye, you hypocrite. First take the plank out, the plank out of your own eye, then you will be able to see clearly to remove their speck from your brother's eye. 
I mean, what is this act of removing the speck from your brother's eye? Like, what is that? Sounds kind of judgmental. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's almost like there's an expectation that, of course, of course, you would help your brother remove the the speck from his eye. You just need to be able to see clearly to do that, which means you need to deal with you need to deal with the sin in your own life. But I mean, we know that there's there's not there's never going to not be sin in your life. And so I mean, I don't know. Again, am I am I saying am I making the point that I'm trying to make here? Does that make sense? Like, of course you're supposed to help your brother with the sin the sin in their life, which involves judgment. Of course, not everything that a person intends to be helpful or intends as helpful is actually helpful. Mm-hmm. Now, you might say that it, that intents um, should be considered like okay, yeah, um, yeah, just because. Yeah, person A thinks that a particular thing would be helpful to person B. That doesn't mean that it actually is. Yeah. And so it's not necessarily effective. But you're right that there there does, like if it were always and everywhere wrong to communicate to someone that something that they're doing is wrong, according to God, Yeah. then, you know, Jesus wouldn't have said that. Well, and I, Like there, there's a time and a place. Yeah. Well, and I guess back to the point of, the only way you can speak speak to to any sin is if you have no sin of any kind of your life. I mean, it says here, first take the plank out of your own eye. So, so it seems that Jesus thinks we are capable of, you know, uh, dealing with personal sin, dealing with personal sin, and that we're also, I guess, capable and or expected to help our brother with, I don't know, that or other sins. I mean, that's sort of like parenthood, isn't it? Right. You know, well, yeah. Not not that that's the only example, or, or, but or, that that's what we're doing. Yeah, like we're trying to help them see mm-hmm. what's good and why it's good, and help them see what's bad and why it's bad. Right. Of course, you know, to be an effective parent, you have to actually care about like the things that you do yourself. I have to care about the things that I I do myself, and mm-hmm. you know, if they're good or bad, and what good things I need to keep doing or start doing and which bad things I need to stop doing. Yeah. Um, all right. So what else I got here, man, we kind of went all over the place to see if I make sense of some of this <laughs> other stuff. I mean, it was good. I just, um, all right. So any sin separates us from God, not all sins. Oh, okay. So here's something else that I, I was trying to explain to him, to him too. And I mean, cause to me again, I feel like it's somewhat obvious that, uh, not sins, not all sins are obvious, both in what we read here, but then also, again, the the like the impacts they have in this world. I, I think that's where you see the the inequality in sin, and I think that matters also. Mm-hmm. You know, again, to your point with with uh, tithing dill as opposed to caring for your elderly parents, like clearly one of those has more more of an impact in this world than than the other, and and I think that matters. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. What other points here to tie some bows on things? Well, it's also more immediate because, like, elderly parents need help, you know, m- more frequently. Whereas, you know, herbs, you know, they just sort of like, you know, kind of bloom all the time, or like, you know, grow more leaves all the time. You know, you can clip a little bit off, and then, mm-hmm. you know, and and it'll grow back, or you know, you can just ignore it, and it'll bolt. But like, it spreads its seeds, and it just kind of does its thing. But like, your elderly parents, like, they need you now. Yeah. Um. Some interesting things that I read, man, I don't know if I need to get into all this, uh, seeing clearly, 
there's other ways that this is uh has been interpreted this idea of like the the plank and how um what did i say here clearer vision eliminate any tainted lens our sin may be giving us um so there could I mean, and i think this speaks to the hypocrisy right um so you're not projecting maybe projecting is a sin you struggle with on other people. Interesting passage in Titus 1.15. To the pure, all things are pure, but to those who are corrupted and do not believe, nothing is pure. In fact, both their minds and consciences are, are consciences are corrupted. Okay, we talked about this. Um, okay, so to see clearly, we said to do what? Remove the speck, right? So, and, and I, think, I think the part that's important here, and this is something that, again, I think, uh, my buddy and I that were talking about this agreed on, and and this is I think more more to his point, um, and I, this is something I I also mentioned Sunday, right? All scriptures God breathed and useful for teaching, correcting, rebuking. Like there there's some people mm-hmm. that can get pretty high and mighty and and quick on the draws that pertains to the rebuke, but like <clears throat> it's certainly not effective with strangers, and mm-hmm. probably maybe like something further down the line in your or deeper in the tool bag as it pertains to dealing with uh, somebody you have a relationship with here. And so I don't think it's any um, accident that Jesus used the terms, you know, a speck in your brother's eye, Hmm. you know? So when it comes to attending to maybe sin in somebody else's life, before you address that sin, like, like it, it would be better, you'd be better served if you had a relationship, you know, had built a relationship where you, where that means something, hmm. right? Yeah, I, 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 whenever I pass, for example, um, and, and I, I don't want to be judgmental in what I'm about to say, mm-hmm. but when I, I, I occasionally see people on the street corner with signs about people going to hell, yeah, and they're they're like on some karaoke machine or boombox or something, yeah, and like street preaching, yeah, just to traffic essentially, mm-hmm. right. Now that really might be what God wants somebody to do at some point. So I'm I'm not going to say that that's always and everywhere wrong, but like when I pass that, I wonder like you know who who do they think is listening? Yeah. But then maybe it doesn't matter. Maybe it matters that they're saying it. Um. However, I'm I'm not sure that the right way is. So by the way, you're a sinner and you're going to hell. Well, you know, I almost feel like it's an easy way out. Like to to punch your I minister to somebody <laughs> somebody ticket because the hard thing to do would be to build a relationship and get to know somebody and get to a place where you can say or even just have a conversation right yeah yeah it, you know that would be sort of a, an interesting study to do to look in the New Testament Old Testament too about the way that God's people interacted with strangers yeah. Yeah. Well, here's the thing, though. The, the stuff I was talking about Sunday, uh, I referenced a verse in, I think it was Romans, actually. And basically it talks about, um, man, I have to remember which one it is. But in the, in the, when it's talking about love, it says that, you know, love is to be genuine, not pretense. Hmm. Right. And so, <laughs> um, like, it's really kind of disingenuous. When you, when, if you minister that way, what it reminds me of something I was talking about with some guys today where, you know, we have these annual trainings we have to do for sexual harassment and yeah. equal opportunity and all that stuff. Right. And so it, you know, we're just kind of talking about like how effective do they really think online training is 
They're just know? checking the boxes. That's exactly what it is. What you know? they're looking for is the appearance of due diligence. Well, and so so if somebody is sexually assaulted or raped, you know, <coughs> and they or, or commit suicide, which is one they've actually stopped doing online online training for, you know, somebody commits suicide, like, well, what'd you do about it? Did you, I mean, like, how did you not? Well, we had them do online training, hmm. and it's kind of like. Again, it's a disingenuous, just disingenuous ticket punch to say I did the thing. I, I did a thing, but it's not really the, you know. I mean, maybe it's back to this letter of the law, not the spirit of the law. Mm-hmm. You're not really getting the point. You're yeah. not doing the actual work that needs to be done to, to save or you know, in this situation, like restore a person. Let's mm-hmm. say. Yeah, the Pharisees were were really good at missing the point. They were, and I think that that's the case for a lot of. Uh, bureaucracies or things that operate bureaucratically and you and I are both involved in that and I would say that most of our frustration is not the people that we work with or the people who who might be under us so much as the general bureaucratic missing the point yeah well you think about this too right like I'm sure you've been hit in the eye before you know yes uh actually the boys they got some new nerf guns recently they have these new ones now that they shoot these little yellow foam balls i've seen them those are they zip. man oh that's yeah. a, that's a different situation than what i what i grew up with well they say on the box wear eye protection <coughs> and uh we found that out the hard way because we were playing a little nerf gun war and mm-hmm. Emmett caught me in the eye and i mean it dropped me you know yeah. and it's like all right we're we're done we're gonna we're gonna be done for a second because like yeah you need like paintball masks right and so, like, certainly when something happens as it pertains to, like, you know, if you if you get a sliver in your finger, you're like, oh, talk on it and you just keep working, right? But if you get something in your eye, it's like all fun ceases, you know? Yes. And so, like, if you've ever gotten a speck in your eye or had somebody that, you know, tried to help somebody get something out of their eye, like, they're very much like your patient. Yeah. You know? Or try to help help a little kid get something out of their eye. And so, man, I mean, it's rough. Well, yeah, exactly, right. And but it's it, but it's not like a hey, you got a you got a speck in your eye, loser. You know, like if you're removing a speck from somebody's eye, it's again, it's more of like a doctor patient thing, right? Oh, so you got a gnat in your eye? I guess that you definitely, you, like, you must have been pouring honey in your eye. What did you do? Like, yeah, like why did you make your eye such a target? You should have been wearing eye protection. That's got to fit in somewhere. Is that is that condemnation? <laughs> yeah. Um, Did so you read the warning label? Yeah. <laughs> it's in Matthew. Oh. <laughs> so what do you think about this then? Judgment inside the church. Because it reminds me of eighteen Matthew 18, 15. If your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault. Just between the two of you, if they listen to you, you have won them over. Mm-hmm. I mean, can we agree that that's, that seems like judgment to me? Yeah, it talks about that in, in 1 Corinthians also. Mm-hmm. That that we're supposed to judge those inside of the church, and if I had about three minutes, I could I could find it, but I'll, I'll just paraphrase. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of what Paul was dealing with with the Corinthians was a lot of sexual sin. Yeah, and he he even said that you know you you have to cast out the immoral brother mm-hmm. from among you. Yeah, and then I think he came back in Second Corinthians and said that when, or maybe this is in First Corinthians, since 
is is there was that other Corinthian letter before First Corinthians, or was it kind of between the two? We've talked about this before. I just yeah, don't I recall. believe Second Corinthians is actually technically like Third Corinthians. Third Corinthians. Yeah. Okay. At some point in either First or Second Corinthians, Paul says something to the effect of, "When I wrote to you, or when I told you not to associate with the sexually immoral." I wasn't talking about sexually immoral people in the world. I was talking about sexually immoral people in the church mm-hmm. because if you were to um, avoid interaction with the sexually immoral in the world, well, you'd have to go out of the world because that's everybody. I know what you're talking Yeah. Well, and that's kind of the whole, you know, well, yeah, like, like, <laughs> what was it about? Like the church is, I mean, it's not a hangout for the righteous, right? It's supposed to be a hospital for the for sinner, sinners, right? Yeah, and it, it does seem with, with what Paul's talking about in First and Second Corinthians that I don't know. You know, it's easy for the church to talk a big game against just the general sinfulness that's in the general world mm-hmm. instead of dealing with whatever is actually going on locally. And Paul's letters are always directed at problems in the local church, right? Um. <clears throat> So kind of speaking, continue with the uh, judgment in the church, John seven twenty four. stop judging by mere appearances, but instead judge correctly. So that's mm. Jesus talking. Um, I don't think we really have time for this, but I, I kind of looked into that last part about judge correctly. Um, so, I mean, it would seem kind of, I, I guess maybe just to sum up my point though, uh, there is room for judgment and there's a right way to do it. Mm-hmm. And so again, I think what, what Paul and Jesus are taking taking issue with in these oft misquoted verses is being being a hypocrite. Um, something else that I thought might be interesting is uh, like when we appoint elders and deacons, we have guidelines for what those people are supposed to be. And so if we, if we identify somebody being as, as being unqualified to be an elder or deacon, again, I think that would be another form of judgment. Well, it, like, Either saying that somebody is qualified or somebody isn't qualified, right? Wh- whichever way you go, the the tr- the determination is made by judgment, just mm-hmm. definitionally speaking. Right. Well, I mean, here's what I thought would be interesting, right? An elder must be blameless, faithful to his wife, a man whose children believe and are not open to the charge of being wild and disobedient. Since an overseer manages God's household, he must be blameless, not overbearing, not quick-tempered. Not given to drunkenness, not violent, not pursuing dishonest gain. Rather, you must be host. So it lists all the sins that you shouldn't be guilty of, mm-hmm. right? So what if we were to read this differently? Like, um, I, well, this is all, these are saying what you should not be. So frankly, what, I mean, so really all it comes down to is like, well, Ralph, um, we can't make you an elder because you're guilty. Uh, you cheat on your wife. Your children don't believe. Uh, you are disobedient. What, what else we have here? You get angry real easy. You drink too much. You have, you're violent, <laughs> and you're always cheating on your taxes. Yeah, I mean, like, remember that? Like, you just got drunk and like beat up Titus the other day, right? Like that was. I mean, even if he deserved it, like he said, your wife was ugly, but still, like, we can't make you an elder. You can't judge me. Only God can judge me. Right, but that doesn't mean that we have to make you an elder because you say so. So so we see the point then, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, so Good point. Okay. 
so to your point, and we've we've kind of I mean same we see it here. You said it, I said it earlier. At the end of the day, like look at any judge competition. When we look at the idea of judgment, we tend to think of it in a negative connotation. But like when we judge things to be good, that is also a judgment. And and we're perfectly happy, we're content with that as long as things are are judged as being good. So ultimately, when somebody says only God can judge me, what they're really what is it that they're really saying? I think what they're really saying is accept what I'm doing. Right. Validate me. And Validate me or I will do bad things to you. In fact it's a threat. Really it's a threat. It is. In fact, I do want you to judge me and I want you to judge what I'm doing as good. And you know, concurrently, uh this is again not my words, somebody else's, but and, and they're really also judging you. So really what theirs could say is don't forbid others from judging while condemning their judgment or right to judge, you hypocrites. Far from forbidding judgment, you have made yourself the chief justices. And so, I mean, they're issue a ju- issuing a judgment by, uh, I mean, condemning your judging, I guess, effectively. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, yeah, just the, the whole don't judge me mantra is to establish the individual as the final arbiter of m- morality. Yeah. In, in Which is completely unlivable and, and inconsistent. Like it's not possible to to function in the world yeah. with that with that mindset. And I think probably that most people who say that ultimately don't really mean it, which I think is is hopeful because if they don't really mean it, it must mean that they're that they actually are somehow um, appealing to an external source of morality. Mm-hmm. They just don't realize it and they haven't thought enough about the implications of it. Yeah. Well, and I think ultimately there is an element of of what they're doing that is biblical, right? Because essentially what you, what they're doing is they're saying you should be neither hot nor cold, cold, or sorry, you should be either hot or cold. Like pick a side, yeah, you know. Hmm. But I want your I want that side to be mine. Like actually, if you think what I'm doing is wrong, you better keep it to yourself and act as though what I'm doing is right. Yeah, judge it to be righteous. So you talked a little bit about this already, um, but that's fine. We're going to talk about this this again. We're we're going to work through this, um, the Daniel thing, because as I was reading through all this, we can go back to Romans two, one through four, and then uh, we can wrap this up. Romans two. I'm in John. Silly. Romans two one through four. Um, so once again, you therefore have no excuse, you who pass judgment on someone else. For whatever point you judge another, you're condemning yourself because you who pass judgment do the same thing. Now we know, what did I say? One through four. Now we know that God's judgment against those who do such things is based on truth. So when you, a mere human being, pass judgment on them and yet do the same thing, do you think that you will escape God's judgment? Or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, forbearance, and patience, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to be to lead you to repentance? Um, so we'd already, we already read that. And, and the other thing is you got to go back to the previous chapter and read some of the context from where that's coming. God's wrath against sinful humanity, right? So clearly there were some issues in Rome, in the Roman church of maybe some judgments being issued whilst still practicing the same sins, uh, ergo the hypocrisy thing. Um, but then the other thing I want to talk about is, uh, and this is this is coming straight from that sermon, so you, you, you've heard this before. Our, our listening audience has not. So in the army, there's that guy. Oh, yeah. Like 
don't be that guy. Don't be that guy who shows up 10 minutes late, you know, without your canteen full of water. Don't be that guy, right? Like, so that's, there's that guy. And so when I was reading through this, there's a note after, uh, in after two, one, where it says who passed judgment and do the same things after the same things. There's a reference in second Samuel 12, five. So let's go there real quick. Second Samuel, oh, yeah. Second Samuel 12, 5. So this is where the da- the David thing comes into play. So, you know, I'm reading through this. I'm going like, Second Samuel? Why is this referencing Second Samuel? Like, what is that all about? Yep, I, I have talked about this. Yeah, I mean, you talked a little bit about it just a second ago. So Second Samuel 12, 5. If you got it, go ahead and read it. David burned with anger against the man and said to Nathan, as surely as the Lord lives, the man who did this deserves to die. He must pay for the lamb four times over because he did such a thing and had no pity. So if you go to just that verse, you're like, what is he so, What is he burning with anger about? And you go up, it's like, David, or Nathan rebukes David. The Lord sent Nathan to David. When he came to him, he said, there were two men in a certain town, one rich and one poor. The rich man had a very large number of sheep and cattle, but the poor man had nothing except one little ewe lamb that he bought. So he goes through this whole thing where the rich man, uh, well, I guess I'll just read the whole thing. Uh, but the poor man had nothing except the little ewe lamb he had bought. He raised it and grew it up with him and his children. It shared his food, drank from his cup, and even slept in his arms. It was like a daughter to him. Now a traveler came to the rich man, but the rich man refrained from taking one of his own sheep or cattle to prepare a meal for the traveler who had come to him. Instead, he took the ewe lamb that belonged to the poor man and prepared it for the one who had come to him. And then we get to that point, David burned with anger. Mm -hmm. And it's like, okay, what is that referring to? Why did Nathan's, what is Nathan rebuking David about? Well, then we pan over across the page, chapter 11. You got a subtitle there for yours, chapter 11 in that Bible? I have a title. What is it? David and Bathsheba. Oh, that's what he's rebuking him about. Yeah, bad situation. Then, So verse 7, Then Nathan said to David, You are the man. This is what the Lord God of the Israel said, uh, what the Lord, the God of Israel says, I anointed you king over Israel, and I delivered you from the hand of Saul. I gave your master's house to you and your master's wives into your arms. I gave you all that Israel and Judah, and it is, and if all this had been too little... I would have given you even more. Why did you despise the word of the Lord by doing evil in his eyes? You struck down Uriah the Hittite with the sword and took his wife to be your own. Oh, don't be that guy. Yeah. Um, and so, I mean, I think we see a situation here where certainly Nathan was sinful. Like he was a sinner. Right yet still qualified to go identify a sin in the life of, of Daniel, or sorry, David. David. Right. And um, I would now, say... I will say, like, the, the Lord, <clears throat> you know, he was a prophet, mm-hmm. so the implication there is that God God put this on his heart. Mm-hmm. Now, that doesn't mean that, that every single person who says, oh, God laid this on my heart, that that person is necessarily... Right, right. Or even if the person is right, that the person is clearly, like, actually accurately communicating what God wants a person to know. Mm-hmm. But I think that we can tell in this case that this this really is what God wanted David to know. God really did send Nathan mm-hmm. 
And <clears throat> I think that that might be something good to consider when thinking about the idea of, you know, confronting someone else's sin. Yeah. It's like, okay, is, is this, is this what the Lord, what the Lord wants? Like, yeah. is, is the Lord sending me to this? Per- you know, the answer might be yes. Yeah. L- like you might really be the person and this might really be the time. Yeah. It really might be. So I would say that you, you really have to, to pray about the situation before, you know, just kind of laying into someone. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and I mean, I guess I would have to read further to confirm this, but I, I would assume God's per, God's intent and, and therefore Nathan's was, once again, this was meant to be restorative, mm-hmm. right? Uh, I mean, as far as I know, he continued to be the king, right? He did. Yeah. And yet, one of the things here is that he said that the sword would never depart from his house. Mm-hmm. Like this, David was forgiven, Yeah, but even though he was forgiven the sin still had consequences in the world. Yeah. I mean, that's a whole different conversation we could have there probably, you know, right. because, because I, mean, I think that is, it's one of those things where, uh, you can be forgiven, but that doesn't mean you don't continue to suffer consequences somehow. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, and it, it seems like th- there, there are some situations where, well, I mean, take, take Paul, for example, he he was never i mean it i'm not sure that you could say that there were like lasting consequences exactly in the way that there were for david here mm-hmm. um and yet they were both complicit in murder so i it might be a little bit too speculative to say that well, maybe it's not to like the, the the reason that david killed uriah was different than the reason that Paul was involved in killing Christians. Mm-hmm. And so may, maybe the, I don't know, may, maybe the intent factors, mm-hmm. factors into the situation. Of course, the best thing to do is to just not sin in the first place. Yeah. I, I guess that goes without, without saying, but was David forgiven? Yes. Was he a man after God's own heart? Yes. But did his sin have a negative impact on his life and on Bathsheba's life? Uriah's life and even even the the lives of David's children yeah. and his descendants. Yeah. I mean, the sword will not depart from your house. Mm-hmm. You you could even maybe see maybe none of that was really redeemed until Christ. Yeah. Because we know that the sword even then didn't depart from David's house. Yeah. Christ was struck down, you know, descendant of David. And yet, God used that to bring salvation to the world. Mm-hmm. I don't know that. That's not too out there, is it? Mm-mm. Almost sounds like a good final thought. Maybe that's a good final thought. He works all things for good for those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. Or He works good in all, in all things. Well, I guess I, my final thoughts would be this. It says in Romans 2, 4, Or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, forbearance, and patience, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance? And then in, uh, what is this, eleven twenty two, Consider therefore the kindness and sternness of God, sternness to those who fell, but kindness mm-hmm. to you, provided that you continue in his kindness. Otherwise, you also will be cut off. And so I guess my my thinking there is, and I guess my summary is, I think what what 
there's room for judgment as long as it's not coming from a place of hypocrisy. And I think we need to be understand what that means. That doesn't mean that doesn't mean that doesn't mean that you can't. What what was the word we said before? I, I <coughs> point out the sin in somebody else's life just because you you are guilty of any sin whatsoever. Because I, I just don't think that's it's possible to live that way, and it's possible to. Uh, I, I don't know, like maintain the standard, mm-hmm. you know, continue in righteousness in inside the inside the church specifically. But at the end of the day, again, going back to this idea of one of the things we often return to, or at least I do, the idea in, in Matthew eighteen about if your brother sins, you know, go to him, mm-hmm. and, and if if you have won him over, right? This idea of of restoring, because again, what we see here is this idea of. God showing kindness and forbearance and patience. And, and so that's kind of going back to maybe the guy on the street corner thing. Like it just doesn't strike me as somebody who is coming from a place of kindness or patience Mm -hmm. necessarily. Yeah. And so I think there is certainly like room to understand that this is where this should be coming from. And, and again, we see over and over this use of the word brother, right? Like this is a, a relational thing. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, I guess that's it. You anything else? No, I I think that I think we've kind of tied a ribbon around Judgy McJudgerton. <laughs> All right, is that like move to Bremerton? No. <laughs> oh, good reference though. Thank you. All that's, right, so I guess a, it's my turn. That's a good punk band, right? That yeah, that is MXPX. All right. All right. Uh, Lord, thank you for uh, time to read the word and uh, talk about it. And so I pray that you would bless bless us, bless our families uh, and anybody listening. And I pray that you would use um, the thoughts that we've shared and the scriptures that we've read and talked about um, to be a benefit. And I pray that Jesus would come back soon. In his name, amen. Amen. <laughs>